Bobby Heenan. You've got a big smile on your face tonight. Impressive in the Olympics. Who cares about watching a bunch of children wrestle? Who cares about the Olympics? Well, it's a great thing for the country, but who cares about Laurent the Sissy? That's his name? Laurent Sissy. Can you, you imagine? Nine months they had to come up with another name, and that's the best they could do. Laurent. <laughs> that's the most important thing they could come up with in nine months. Show you the mentality of his parents. Of course, he went to the University of Wisconsin, right? Get yeah, Madison. Don't take a whole lot to get in there. I guess you have to be able to, the entrance exam, you have to be able to write your name in three different colors of crayon. I could care less your wrestling ability. I could care about your amateur background. You're in the ring now with a professional. I'm going to go behind that man so much, he's going to think he's stuck in a revolving door. I'm going to take him down, take him around, show him the town. I'm going <laughs> to... Yes. There it is. That is the late, great Bobby the Brain Heenan. Ah. And what a great way to start this episode, which is something that I'm very excited about. It's the first in our series of brackets that we are going to do, and this is going to be a three-part episode. Uh, We've got, in our opinion, the eight best promos in pro wrestling history, and we're... We're going. We, we seeded them one through eight. We're going through the matchups. This week is round one, and I'm just so excited to get into it. And that piece of audio, I, I couldn't contain myself. Yeah, you, you, you <laughs> didn't. You didn't hold yourself back on that. You're cutting in with some laughter. But what do you expect? It's a great it's so heel promo from the brain, and that's way back in the late seventies. A- AWA. Best they came up. With. <laughs> he's gonna think he's coming oh. out of a revolving door, Bubs. <laughs> cares about watching little kids wrestle this is the pros yeah Bubs. anyway so this is really exciting uh we've been getting a lot a ton of feedback on twitter and uh everyone has gone out and voted for these matchups so thank you for that and really bubs i'm gonna let you kind of run through the bracket but first we've got some voicemails some messages through anchor Uh, from some of our friends that you would like to introduce. Yeah, first off, I want to throw a shout-out to our boy, uh, Craig Wyman, from the Wyman Podcast. He's a content creator, very active on Twitter as well, doing some good stuff with... Please go listen to him. ...in the pro wrestling world as well. So I appreciate you calling in, Craig. We're going to... What's up, Colin Elbo? This is Craig Wyman, host of the Wyman Podcast, voicing my opinion on the eight best talkers ever in wrestling, your bracket. I'm going to go with Ric Flair, the number one seed over Jerry Lawler. The slight upset, Paul Heyman, the five seed over the four seed, Bobby Heenan. I got The Rock over Dusty Rhodes, and then John Cena over Hulk Hogan. So three out of the four favorites, Paul Heyman with the slight upset, five seed being the four seed. Um, thanks for letting me air out my opinions. I'll also give my second round opinions if you do need them or want them. Um, and as always, you guys are awesome. Keep doing what you're doing, man. I love your guys' stuff. All right. Thanks. We're going to kind of hear what he has to say real quick. All right, Craig, appreciate that. Like I said, you were one of the first ones to actually reach out when I started putting this out on Twitter to uh, hop on there, hop on Anchor, send us um, a voice message. Obviously, you voted, I assume, as well, so that's good stuff. I like getting different people's opinions because we made the bracket, and it's hard enough for us to sit here and say that we made the eight, that we picked the eight best. But now there was a lot of discussion, though. There we was. Did, we did. You created an initial list, and I was like, "Uh, I like some of these. Here's my thoughts." And then we kind of went back and forth on some of these, added some, taking some off, and we've got some people right on the on the outside looking in. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah. And real quick, uh, one more plug here real quick from Conrad Cushman from the EPW. Go ahead, check him out on EPW. He left us a message real quick. We'll listen to that one real quick as well. What's happening, Collard and Elbow podcast listeners? This is Conrad Cushman from Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. And you guys can catch me on Brain Buster Radio every single Saturday with a new podcast episode just for you. And you can follow me on Twitter at EPW Show. I see Collard and Elbow on Twitter. They are running an excellent tournament. You guys are going to want to make sure you check them out and give them a follow as well. Thank you guys so much for this. And I look forward to seeing what you bring to us next. Let's get back to the show. All right. Thanks, Conrad. We appreciate that one. So, Bubs, 
Like is, well, first of all, this, I want to I want to give a shout out to Anchor. You know, this is why I love Anchor using the Anchor app because it does allow you to get that kind of intimate, in-depth, you know, response from your audience mm-hmm. and from fellow podcasters. And the the tools are just so easy to use. Like Anchor, if if you're not using it and you're a content creator, a podcast maker, you're you're doing yourself a disservice. I think you were deep into it for a few hours yourself the other day, just kind of on your lonesome over the weekend, yeah. buds, and I was, you I was found a lot of the tools. Yes, and the tools are so fun and easy. Like you, you can instead of just sitting there for two hours talking to your blue in the face, you can break it into segments, talk for thirty minutes on something, and then uh, move on to something else. You can stop and you know give yourself time to think. You can right. there's transitions you can use and it's got music for you to add and just the way that it does it, it it's it's smart it's convenient and it's a lot of fun to try and find exactly what you want to use yeah and i think if we're actually having fun doing this and creating something because it's fun to talk about it but kind of putting it together it can be cumbersome at times it gets difficult but thank god for anchor being kind of easy so yes. go anchor now we decided to do this, and we let off with this these brackets, basically. We're going to have a lot more of these brackets coming forward. They're pretty popular. A lot of folks like to get into these. That's kind of why we're getting into it as well, because it gets a lot of fan interaction. You get people calling me an idiot for having a couple dudes on the tournament bracket anyway. That's what I want to hear from some of you IWC folks. But well, we, they just tell us because they don't know how to make a bracket themselves. There it is. So the promo. Let's talk about the promo real quick before we get into some of the names. Yes, and the promo to me is the most important and nowadays underutilized aspects of professional wrestling. Right. Nothing got me more excited than a good promo, Bubs. Mm-hmm. I think it's the pivotal point of a feud that is not a must-have because there's been some great feuds throughout history that have really been based on the in-ring work, based on you know just character versus character. But you get two guys with a microphone in their hand. Doesn't matter if they're heel or baby face or you know they both can be the same. It really doesn't matter. But be, being able to talk trash and get the the crowd invested in what you're saying and make everybody believe every single word that you're saying. So a lot of these heel characters, especially back in that, I mean, we just heard. Bobby Heenan, that was AWA. He was still he was wrestling then. So it was a tougher era then in the 70s and 80s. And if Arn Anderson was telling you he's going to come and whoop your ass, well, you kind of had to believe him. Yeah, And it is underutilized now. It's not so much a focus anymore because there is a lot of great ring talent. Tech- technicians have become... The, the skills just aren't there like there used to because back in the day, you had to be able to talk to sell yourself. You know, right. nowadays everyone is—it's your athleticism mm-hmm. that kind of speaks for itself. And I'm—I I love the feats that we see and the matches that we get. But when I think about growing up and watching Monday Night Raw and Friday Night, Thursday Night, Tuesday Night SmackDown, every day, <laughs> yeah, I think about some of the amazing promos. And in this day of DVR and mm-hmm. the network. I go back and watch old shows, and I, I skip over matches because I don't care about matches on a Monday Night Raw, honestly, or a SmackDown. They're more or less throwaways. It's the pay-per-view matches that you really care about. I skip through those and just watch the actual promos and backstage segments and stuff that happened in the ring. And To me, that's what sells wrestling more than anything. Mm-hmm. Stone Cold didn't become who he was because of his in-ring work. Hulk Hogan, John Cena didn't become who they were because of their in-ring work. Right. And hell, CM Punk doesn't become as big of a star as he did in 2011 without his promo work. Mm-hmm. And that's outside of the the pipe bomb. He's he's I think over fantasized for that. He he actually cut several multiple great promos on people in different feuds in the ring that exist outside of just the pipe bomb. So there's a lot of yes. a lot of these guys that we're going to talk about that have a lot of longevity that did it for a lot of years. Some guys that were just really good at it for a shorter amount of time and they deserve to be in this conversation as well. So we, we decided to pick promos to kind of lead off because we enjoy them and nothing really gets us more invested into a feud, into wrestling towards a pay-per-view than a good promo. So it's I think and some it's a, of our favorite guys were great 
great mic guys. Yeah, you're number one of all time. The Rock. Mm-hmm. He's so good because of because of his promo work. Man, Rock with the microphone. It's deadly. How is the number one seed? Uh, well, we're about to get to that. Well, I think we okay. should. Uh, I think we'll talk about. Let's uh, first let let's get to those that were on the outside looking right. in who didn't make the top eight, the elite eight. Right. We we decided to go with eight. And that's, I mean, this list could be huge. We could have made this, you know, even Did deeper of a like bracket. 16-team yeah, bracket. Yeah, it, it gets hard. That would have taken up some time. But we went with eight. So we got a few names that didn't make the cut. Some of you were going to get upset, but it's okay. So Give us your opinions. Let's, let's get I'm into mad. it. I'm mad. Yeah, I'm mad, too, for a couple of these. But we had to agree. It's a show. We have to yeah. There's a democracy at hand. I made you take some off. You told me that I some told, of my choices weren't made. I did. Oh. So barely missing the list, Bubs. I'm gonna say his name first because I think he's the closest, and that's Vince McMahon. Uh, uh, yeah, yes. underappreciated. That was a guy that I kind of threw in, like last second. We were like, I think we forgot somebody. Yeah, and brought him up, and he's just one of those guys that once he became Mr. McMahon, that was it. He everything was he said it. was important. Yes, and whether he was a babyface or a heel, yep. he could make the crowd do whatever it is that he wanted. Palm of his hand kind of guy. Palm of his hand kind of guy, and I think I think why he doesn't make the list is I don't know because I liked him on I liked him on commentary. I think his runs as a babyface just weren't that great none of us wanted it either we we want him as as heel mr mcmahon it's it's much more believable you like him as a commentator just same like throughout the years whoever feuded with him it was the same thing it was i'm the boss you know nothing you can do you're fired kind Mm -hmm. of thing but so underrated as a performer yeah to me underrated as a commentary play-by-play guy and i i just love the character of Vince McMahon. Almost making the cut right there with him. We just brought him up. CM Punk, though. I, like yeah. I said, a lot more outside of the pipe bomb, of course. When he was and in he a made feud. it on the list a couple times. Well, but yeah. we, he was he was in there, but once we had a few conversations, there were some guys that have certainly longevity over someone like Punk. Punk had Punk had a couple great years, and I say great because yeah. they were. You mentioned 2011 as, as one example. He doesn't have some of the longevity that the majority of our top eight will and I think that that's a, a key cornerstone to really what this is. If you're going to make the top 16, 10, 8, 2 list, whatever we narrow it down to, longevity is a piece to prove that you can do it through generations, through multiple feuds and things like that. And Punk, Punk did that for a short amount of time. Yes, and same thing with Mr. McMahon and the same thing with Jericho, and I brought this up, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that in a second, is his – to me – his work as a babyface, other than that short stint in 2011 when he uh, dropped the pipe bomb, that was a heel promo anyway. That just got him so over. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think his work as a babyface was ever compelling. And because even when he had that tremendous feud with Chris Jericho, and Jericho was the heel, it was Jericho that made it compelling, yeah. in my opinion, not CM Punk. Okay. Speaking of Jericho, though, he's right next to us on the list, too. He was in my initial list. We had to bring him out because some other guys just kind of outweighed him. Jericho has that longevity. He was doing stuff. His his list of a 1,000 moves that Malenko did started some things. He did great stuff in the early 2000s. It's pretty much every but year that he the, was back. But here's the thing with Jericho is that he's someone who could be very stale. When he would reinvent himself, it would be great for a little bit mm-hmm. and then it would grow very stale especially when he was a baby face him jericho as a baby face is a c plus b minus at best he, he's not very interesting he's very kind of just cheesy yeah and i i don't like it him as a heel as great as him on the mic could be what would happen is that he was never truly a great heel because the fans would always just he would always get so over right and kind of force force himself into becoming a baby face 
that's just that's not that doesn't make a great heel. That just makes someone who is very charismatic and likable. Mm-hmm. Now he did have a tremendous heel run, uh, starting in two thousand six, two thousand seven, I think it was when he when he shoved Shawn Michaels through the. Oh, is that all the way in like two thousand nine? I don't remember. He's been around too long. He he has longevity. Uh, yes, which is great, but as and I'm going to be the one that gets a lot of shit about this because this was my decision. This was my one, my one big decision on the list, and <laughs> the list, of course, mm. Jericho. Perfect um, puns intended. But I I don't find him to be a, a goat when it comes to on the mic. Okay. Next up after him, I'm going to bring him up right now so we can talk about him because he's the current one really on this list, and that's The Miz. We didn't talk about him a lot a couple weeks ago, but we've, we've raved about his ability for years. So what is it that's going to take – because he, he can prove it. He's proven on the mic, right? So what gets him into this list? Yes. How does he step into that? Just a, a little bit longer, I guess, a little more longevity. Right. Because he didn't really become this top-of-the-line – Mike Worker until around 2016-ish mm. when he cut the promo on Daniel Bryan. That's when he took it to a new level. We, we liked The Miz before that, but that's when he turned it to cranked it to 11 and became an A-plus in my opinion. Yeah, I think he's well on his way. Uh, Triple H barely missing the list as well. Here's a guy, especially more as a heel, that we every time we bring up Triple H, you love to hate him when you were a child. It wasn't always because of what he was doing in the ring; it's because of what he was saying to your favorite character. Yes. So, Michaels. Triple H's <laughs> his promo work prior to him being a world champion was meh, if it was ever used at all. And even yes. his early times as champion, more so when he became he started peeking into that prime years, those middle early two thousand years is when he really started to peak on the mic. And since then, he has been in that A category. And everything... No matter what, he's got you in the palm of his hands. Yeah. Start to finish. I think a lot of it is because we, as a fan, we all love him. We we love him for what he's doing in NXT. There's a lot of, you know, happiness that we all have for him. That might be kind of the rose-colored glasses on this type of thing. But Which is why make the list he might honestly not, yeah he honestly might not have made the list because of that he wasn't always great no. and you're right early part of his his run with dx um throughout his entire run with dx and his early part of his main event run it just wasn't wasn't great yeah it was barely good i think that he was kind of they covered up a lot of those early weaknesses he had by putting him with Shawn Michaels and early DX they didn't cut a lot of in-depth promos against like the yeah, nation because Shawn Michaels like wasn't that. a great promo either yeah it was mostly just we got two words for you and the crowd lit it up and they all had their little sayings and that's really what it was and he grew from that luckily and he's become a guy who's certainly in the conversation now somebody that a lot, the last guy that barely missed the list and this is where a lot of folks got mad at me as well when we started talking about who missed our list and that was Steve Austin yeah. So it's an interesting story with Steve because his promos started in ECW when he left WCW. Yes. Heyman gave him a mic and said, go really do whatever you want, say what you want. And that freedom allowed him to, I think, create the initial start, start of that Steve Austin character. And since then, the crowd's been in the palm of his hands no matter what he does. And But to me, Austin was someone... It was his entire package. <clears throat> and okay. if you just take away if you take away the name Stone Cold Steve Austin, you just close your eyes and you listen to his promos. Mm-hmm. I mean, are you really getting that much out of it? But when you put the entire package together and the heat that he had from his actions and just everything, then you've got the compelling character. Right. Just his promo work, I I never thought that it was someone that if he wasn't as popular because of his actions and who who he yeah. was, his promos I don't think would have ever gotten him over. Even though technically it was a promo that started his ascent. Yeah, 
and I, I'm, I'm going to mention it. You just kind of took the words from me there. But when we start talking about the actual tournament and a couple guys, I was going to make a similar statement that if you close your eyes and you, or you only have the ability to listen to what they say, how invested are you in what you're hearing? And part of what you say right there, what you have to see in Austin is you need to see this. You need to see two middle fingers coming right at you to believe part of the character. And if you don't have that... It's That's not, rude. It's not it's directed at you. I'm sorry. If you don't Clearly. have that, you're missing a little bit of it. But I agree. He's right there on the cusp. He was an angry truth teller. He told it like it was, and that that's really what got everyone behind him, of course, during and the heyday. That's, that's why people loved him, because he wasn't elegant, because he wasn't someone who can spin a story, spin mm-hmm. a web of tales with, with his words. He was just someone that would go out there tell you how he feels right gives you the middle finger gives you the stunner and then walks out right it's not as complex as it as it could have been yeah he's the all-time biggest draw of all time and i just used the word all time twice twice because he's worth it twice multiplied it is so i will never take that away from him but we're just talking about straight promo work and i think he would agree okay stone cold i know you listen so that's true yeah just Text me. Send us a message on Anchor, Steve, and uh, we'll talk about it from there. Oh, he doesn't. He he has a whole production crew. Anyway, Bubs, let's get into one through eight. Are you ready to talk about it? I am ready. Let's start with that magical one one eight matchup. I'm going to run through them all real quick, and then we'll we'll get back to the conversation of the the matchups here. But number one, Ric Flair against the eight seed Jerry Lawler. Oh, man. The number two seed, we got The Rock. Against the seven seed, I got a lot of flack for this, Dusty Rhodes coming in at seven. Rock was too low rated, in my opinion. Okay. I think that's what you should have got some flack for. We'll talk about it. I don't it. remember don't agreeing to The Rock being number two. <laughs> number One three, at least. three is John Cena against six, yeah. Hulk Hogan. That's a good matchup right there. That is a very good matchup. And then the best matchup that we created, I'm glad you suggested it. I didn't think it would be as close as it was. The four seed, Bobby Heenan, against the five, Paul Heyman, bub. So we got a lot to talk about. We got some great stats to back this up. We're going to talk about it in order from precedent. So let's break down Ric Flair versus Jerry the King Lawler. What do you got? All right. So let's go ahead and start with start with the eight seed, the underdog. Okay. Jerry the King Lawler. Someone who who ran an entire territory. Yes, he did. Thank you for saying it. And and ran it off the back of his mouth. His mouth cashed Memphis. so many checks. Oh, his ass never cashed. This was was Lawler territory. Uh, was Lawler land, and no one could incite a crowd like Jerry Lawler. My favorite moments of well, first of all, let's talk about what makes Jerry Lawler such a great promo. Okay. And how how do you? How would you describe a Jerry Lawler promo back in back in Memphis in the USWA? Oh, okay. Antagonistic. Yes. Truth telling. Perfect word. And honest to the point that everyone around him gets pissed because what he did. Now, what heels do best? Because Lawler is one of the better heels ever. What heels do best yeah. is they they tell you the truth. They use specific words though. They use synonyms of, and such to describe you, your town, your abilities in the ring, the way you smell, all in ways to piss you off or tell yes. you how you lack in something versus how they do. So what you got a lot of with Lawler back in Memphis and really throughout his career is antagonistic, childlike heel promos that pissed you off because he told you the truth, but he was using very creative ways to say what he wanted to say. He told you the truth, but told you his truth, the truth he wanted you to hear. Yeah, specific truths, yeah. Yes, and the great thing about heels is that they tend to, to leave out things about themselves that might be. So that's what made him so great is because when you listen to him, you would think that he's the greatest thing on earth. Mm. And his opponent is just worthless trash. Absolutely. And the city and the city that he's in is worthless trash. Um Jerry Lawler was able to gain mainstream national success using his words, having a program with Andy Kaufman. Loved it. So that, so you, you described it perfectly. 
you literally took the word, the one word right out of my mouth that I wanted to use, antagonistic. I don't think there is a better antagonist, antagonizer in all of professional wrestling. I don't think anyone did it as good as Jerry Lawler. Yeah. Am I right or can you think of anyone? No, for the way the way that he would cut a promo, the way that he would talk, I don't think there's anybody who was able to get underneath the skin of somebody as easily and as in specific ways as Jerry Lawler did. And he did it for for decades. He did it back in Memphis. He did it to Kaufman, of course. He did it in late nineties when they when ECW was doing shows with WWF when they were working had a working did relationship. The, the mid, early to mid nineties and programs with Bret Hart. Right. And I mean, as a commentator, he was doing it as well. I mean, he was commentating. Best color commentator of all time. Okay. In WWE. In WWE, yeah. And when he does that stuff as a heel, and you give him the right, um, you give him kind of the right guy to go off of. That's why him and Jr. worked so well because Jr. stayed in a very straight and narrow lane, more face than anything, but he stayed kind of neutral and safe with everything he said. And you have yeah. Lawler picking up every heel line that he could say, saying every... He would just go off the rails. <laughs> he would, and he was so creative with his words. I loved him. The reason I have him on here at 8 is because I think longevity is a big part, and then I, I do think, I totally agree with him being the biggest and best antagonist ever in pro wrestling. He's extremely underrated as a performer. As a booker back in the day, of course it failed as a territory. The rest of them did too, but he has been relevant yeah. through everything, even today. And he was also a good babyface, and that's that's something that left a lot of people off the list. Is that yeah. you know, go back and watch Jerry Lawler as a face? He was still good at that. I mean, he's an A plus heel. Uh, something I say about Randy Orton all the time is that Randy Orton is a B face, B minus C plus, but an A plus heel. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what Jerry, Jerry Lawler was, except I think he was a little better at being a face. He was definitely a lot more articulate yeah. in his promo work than Randy. Randy Orton never came close to sniffing this list. No, he, this is not where we talk about Orton. That's for this weekend. But What's, um, what's your favorite Jerry Lawler promo moment? It is when he's on commentary in probably 96 or 97 uh, McMahon is on commentary with him and Paul Heyman is there as well because they this is when they had a working agreement with Heyman and ECW. They were doing stuff on Monday night and he's sitting there calling to Heyman's face extremely crappy wrestling, which again is a truth. Did you read my notes? No, I did not. Why? Is this yours too? <laughs> it's not mine, but it also involves his, his work during this time with okay. ECW. Good, because he told it as a truth because ECW was extremely crappy wrestling. But it was different, and it was something that Lawler, being a traditionalist, a guy who uses the fucking pile driver, he's a true wrestler. <laughs> yeah. So to him, this was nonsense, and the way that he could spin words and talk shit to Heyman was so glorious that I still watch it to this day. Yes, and piggybacking off of you, um, when he actually made his presence in ECW is my choice. Yes. Favorite. This is the uh, big time, huh? Okay. Yes. Oh, and he just cuts them to the core. They he wanted goes, to jump that railing. Everyone wanted to kill him, and that, to me, was that's what made him made him so great. That was the same feud. It's just like a month later. It's the exact <laughs> yeah, the exact same feud. Ah, uh, uh, I think he told them that it like smelled like shit or something. Yeah, or, something like, true. Something, something honest. I love him, Bubs. He's number eight on the list. Unfortunately, eight seeds yeah. go up against the one. So yeah. <laughs> number one, I don't think it's really arguable. I'm going to argue for sure for, for Rock because I think that there's some some stuff that we'll talk about later in the episodes because I think they're uh, both going to advance. But Ric Flair's the number one seed. Right yes. or wrong, he's the number one seed. To, this is a toss-up to me, which is okay. I, between him and the Rock. Okay. and the rock being the two seed but you cannot dispute the greatness that is rick flair i mean sorry lawler but you don't stand a chance against rick flair rick flair is someone that whether you know wrestling or not you know you know his iconic woo yeah everyone knows that um 
what he did in the 70s and 80s um, may never be touched or eclipsed ever. And I just feel that – and what made Ric Flair so great was his passion. Yeah. His promos were always passionate. They were also unpredictable. You didn't know where he, what he was going to say. You didn't know what he was going to do. You know, he before you knew it, he was going to be shirtless. He was going to drop his pants, and he was going to start dropping elbows on on all his clothes. Right, and you bring up that, and what he did during those promos. A lot of those promos have gotten flack because they're all they all kind of sound the same. They're all the same style. It's Flair starting out. He's holding the title across his waist, and then he slowly just gets more aggravated and aggravated, and then clothes come off. Which is all true. It's hard for us to dispute that, right? <laughs> yes. But what he was doing then, no one else did it before then. No one's really done it since then. His style yeah. of promo, of ba- really of backstage segments is really what they were, was those backstage promos or kind of off to the side of the ring type of stuff, depending on which territory we're talking about. But his passion, for sure, and his ability to kind of make you believe what he was saying. He and Dusty, very similar in their approach, because they say... Again, some truthful words, but it's the way they say them, kind of the, the tone of voice that they do. And really what Flair does was he's a very charismatic, very flamboyant type of mover with what he's doing. And yeah. he, if he's going to drop a, an elbow on that shirt, I'm going to believe what he's saying. Yeah, you, and that's one of the things that if you just close your eyes and listen to Flair, you, 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 feel, it, you feel the energy. You feel what he's saying you you feel his passion if you watch him while he's talking it's the exact same thing Mm. you can feel his passion you can see his energy and and that entire package together is what made rick flair so compelling so exciting Mm -hmm. so mesmerizing um i mean he was the if it wasn't for man i he was the biggest thing in wrestling, not in the WWF. Absolutely. You know, when the WWF was was on the rise and became a national company, people still – Ric Flair was still the biggest name in wrestling besides Hogan. Yeah. And why was that? Yes, his, his, his matches were great. One of, the, one of the best in-ring workers of all time. To me, it's him and Shawn Michaels. But – to, to get people excited about the match, you had to talk. You had to get there. And what also made Ric Flair the best of all time, or at least the number one seed, is his ability to make his opponents look great. Mm-hmm. Make it, to, to talk his opponents up. Whoever he was going to wrestle was, was the biggest test. You know, he made Sting. He made Sting. Okay, without yeah. Ric he made steamboat and he made them with his words mm-hmm. and and with what he did at the ring but he got the people excited for those matches steamboat wasn't a great promo sting was never a good promo but rick made you excited yeah. about those matches and that's what makes him the one seed absolutely I agree with it. So does the rest of the the community out there that gave us some votes, Bubs. We got a we got a runaway, as you kind yep. of would expect. We got an eighty eight percent to twelve percent in favor of Ric Flair. So Flair is going to move on to round two. Flair we'll be discussing him in the next coming weeks. Good stuff there. Let's talk two versus two versus seven, Bubs. Now we talked about. So we had mentioned Dusty and The Rock earlier. We just talked about how Dusty and Rick have kind of you know similar styles. Now, Parallels between them. Right. Now, Dusty coming from the same era as as Ric Flair, you can kind of assume that obviously they did work together quite a bit. But there are some, some differences, and they, they may be subtle, but there are differences in how a guy like Dusty Rhodes would cut a promo versus how a Ric Flair would cut a promo. Now, the problem with Dusty, Dusty really never had the ability or was really given the chance to do any promo work or anything once he came over to WWF. When he was wearing polka dots... Nothing uh, really it, – it didn't work. It really wasn't needed. It's not what he was still doing. Still over though. But extremely over. over. But if we're talking some territory days, if we're talking WCW days when he was influential, everything that he was saying, you believed it. And he was a very strong babyface. He was the working man. 
Bubs. Yes. He was the guy that if you're sitting there watching your TV with your family, you want your son to sit there and listen to him because in a way he's telling you all these great qualities about himself and how a terrible person this other guy is. Kind of like Hogan would do in a in a you know eat your vitamins type of thing. Dusty, you wanted Dusty, Dusty to be had your own hard uncle. times, Bubs. hard yeah. times, and that's my favorite promo, times. obviously from him. So I it's wish. Not- that's a great choice. Yeah. I don't mind though. Oh, okay. What do you got? Yeah. All right. So my favorite moment of Dusty was it was in WCW. Dustin was Oh. Yes. You already know where I'm going. I know where you're going, yeah. of course. So do the listeners. Um, God. The, Dustin, Dustin was young. Needed a tag. He was young. He needed a tag partner, Bubs. Who better than who better than than Dusty? His dad who loves him. Loves him so much and who else would he want to have his back? God, it was okay. it was heart wrenching. It was, and that's another parallel between Dusty and Rick. It's the passion. Yes, you could feel the passion with Dusty Rhodes. You can feel the you can hear the passion, hear the energy when you close your eyes. When you when you watch him, you can see it. You could see the passion. You could see the energy, and like you said, there. He spoke a lot of truths, and because of that, you believed it because you can tell he believed it mm-hmm. because if you're just going out and reading something that someone wrote for you, there's no passion with that. You you don't believe that. How can you when they're not your words? Oh, Dusty, it, it was true. You felt it. You believed him, and that's what made him such a great promo. Now, had he had a little more longevity to his significance on the mic, would you have wanted to move him up a little bit? Because in a short amount of time, in maybe I mean, a 10-year ten, a ten span, we put him in the top eight. a short amount of time, but yeah. I mean, he was around a long time. And he did, you know, commentary and mm-hmm. he did a lot of stuff. He was around a long time. He, To me, he did have longevity. Okay. But as great as he was, you know – he was he was an A plus babyface. Sure. Ric Flair was an A plus heel, but Ric Flair could also be a great babyface, which is why he's number one. Yeah. Could you ever believe Dusty to be a heel? No, nah, when he Dusty didn't want to. Dusty joined the NWO, <laughs> and that didn't that didn't go over well. Well, so did yeah. everyone else. That's true, but <laughs> Dusty as a heel never worked. Nah, it's not a thing I which want. Which I, I, which it sucks to put him lower on the list because of that but we're talking greatest promos of all time and mm-hmm. a lot of most of these guys on the list were able to kind of straddle both lines sure which yeah. what which is what got them on the list what i got with um this specific matchup was a lot of good conversation but more so because he's facing the rock here we're getting much different <laughs> generational Having stuff to the rock. a lot of a lot of guys think that in order to fairly compare you know, promo to promo, you have to do it generationally. So Flair versus right. Dusty, Rock versus Austin. That's what makes this and, so great. Yeah. Is that it, it crosses generations. That's why I was promo, totally cool doing this one. We're not going off of in-ring work. Yeah. We're going off of in-ring work, then we have to kind of go off generationally. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about promos. Talking, talking like we're doing right now right. crosses all generations. The talking we're doing now could be compared to the talking that was done 50 years ago. So that's why this is such a fun discussion to have. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad people have uh, a disagreement with our method here because that's what makes it so, so much fun. Mm-hmm. But The Rock, is, we're, we're talking about transcendence here. We are. And we're talking about a game changer. Yes. Number two and on the list, these Bob's guys, The Rock. All of these guys are game changers in their own right, but mm-hmm. no one has transcended more than The Rock. Right. And I don't think anyone is as A-plus on both sides of the fence as a babyface and as a heel as The Rock was. And The Rock was someone that could – you know what? You want to talk about palm of your hand, palm of his hand at any moment – he could be the most beloved babyface, and then snap of his finger, he could become the most hated heel. Right. 
a lot that, of folks forget about Rocky sucks that era and why Rocky sucked. It wasn't because he was just a heel. It was because a lot of things that he was doing and saying, he really cut his teeth with his initial stuff in 97, 98 when he was with the nation to get comfortable. And then he broke away. Right. Um, when, when he, when he joined the nation, you know, that was the start of his ascent mm-hmm. and just the promos that he was just like with triple H triple H cut his teeth with DX, you know, and just like you said, the rock cut his teeth, you know, with his time in the nation, but the rock was always better than triple H as a promo, even in the early stages. Yeah. Uh, the rock was booed right away as a heel heavily. Um, called people pieces of crap um die rocky die yep that was a thing was but he was able to and he was able to use all of that and then he he created the most popular catchphrases of all time a show is named after the the second longest running weekly episodic (laughs) you know television show is named after the rock their video games were named after his catchphrases we we tend yes. we say them out loud we forget like shut your mouth and know your role those are rocks catchphrases. Too, know your role yeah. <laughs> the, he was on the cover of that game it's he's a guy and i think it it, it kind of shows that he's had his success in hollywood shows his ability to talk his his charisma how he can make you believe not just through words but through actions as well he's a great package he was never a a, an A plus in the ring by any means. He's not a great technical no. wrestler. He's not catch as catch can. He's, he, he could yeah. have some good matches. Yeah, he was good enough. No, he wasn't. He wasn't great. He wasn't, you know, an all timer in the ring. Right. But he he lived off the excitement that he drew from the crowd. That's why the people's elbow was a finisher. <laughs> so a protected finisher. One a of the most heavily protected finisher. And it's because again, the Rock's ability to control the crowd and Vince used that to such great lengths when they decided to move Rockin' as a babyface in 99, really, and, and into oh. 2000 because he was great as a heel, but he was getting too good. His people were loving what he said, and that's one of those things, like, the crowd loves you. He's one of the be- one of the better examples of, okay, he's a heel, he's a bad guy, but he's too good at what he's doing. I'm going to start cheering him. And we, yes, but- we, we talk about it now, how we shouldn't do that, but it's too it's so hard to say that and not actually do but even when he became a babyface off of that, he didn't become stale. No. You know that that's that's what made Jericho. That's why I wanted to leave Jericho off this list because when Jericho was a true babyface and he was booked as a babyface, he became stale. Right. The Rock was never stale. As a heel, as a babyface, he was always funny. He could be articulate if he wanted to and serious. Um, you you would want to go have a beer with him. But also want to punch him in the face. Yeah. Like, the the Rock was the total promo package, in my opinion. I, I'd fight you about the seating <laughs> on that one all day. And, Fair and, enough. But he, and just seeing what he's done outside of wrestling is a testament to why he is. Uh, he would be on the Mount Rushmore of wrestling promos. Do you have a favorite of his? Because he has a lot of backstage, Michael Cole one-on-ones. He's got coach. He's got in-the-ring stuff. There are too Julian many. Garcia. Yeah. That's that's one of my favorites. Um, yes. Or when he would uh, slap his leg and be like, oh, oh slow down, big guy. <laughs> and then you would look down, and they, whoever it was would look down, and he'd be like, are you looking at the people strudel? Yes, the strudel. Like, it, was, it was so good, but also – so, it, but my favorite moments that I remember vividly was when he was a heel, when he was Hollywood Rock, okay. um, and he he had his guitar and he would just cut down, cut down the fans. He would um, he would go to say one of his catchphrases, and the fans would you know start saying it with him, and he would stop and be like, No, 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 you don't say the Rock's catchphrases. That's right. You don't talk with the Rock. You let the Rock talk. That, those those were my favorite moments of his. To no surprise, no disrespect to to Dusty, of course, but it's a near runaway with this one as well, Bubs. We're gonna. Close. Well, I didn't get your uh, what's what's your uh, favorite rock? 
promo I would moment. say any of the promos that were, I mean, specifically one that he did on Bubba Ray Dudley when he said, it doesn't matter what your name is because Bubba was doing a stuttering gimmick at the time when he, when the Dudleys came in. But pretty much any time The Rock told somebody that it didn't matter what they said, it didn't matter what their name was, any of that stuff. I remember stuff. getting hit with that in school. and yes. It was frustrating me. So but, angry. Oh, I loved it. So what, what, what are the scores on this one? To close it out, we got The Rock winning from the two seed, 71% to 29. A couple comments on here. Uh, must, be a young, must be a young crowd. And yes, I agree with you on that one. The Dusty's going under in such a ridiculous number. But uh, that's how it is. But that's a testament to just how great The Rock is. Right, I would agree. Now we're halfway through, bubs. We're talking about, we're getting into the little bit of the lower seeds here. Middle seeds, if you will. We put John Cena at three against yes. Hulk Hogan kind of, at the number kind of six. Flies in the face of the things I've been saying about being a great heel and a great mm-hmm. babyface. But John Cena did prove that he could be a great heel in his early run. It's just the company, if they ever pulled the trigger on him being a heel, he could easily pull it off. Uh, I feel like that there's still time, even because he's still extremely over. I mean, he's about the age Hogan was. (laughs) Okay. Do we have a bash at the beach coming up? Yeah, if we could just schedule him for that, that might be the perfect time. (laughs) Maybe coming in. (laughs) I hate it. Bob, the Hulk Hogan is a face. He's he's the number two two draw of all time. We've said that a a lot. He's the number two face of all time. And it's because of those late 80s, early 90s promos – Towards the the Mid-80s. young kids, I mean, was it? It was WrestleMania, WrestleMania I guess. But now eighty six. Was it? Yeah. Damn. But yeah, so that whole time, that Hogan, that Hulk Hogan gets a lot of attention, a lot of great promos. A lot of them were the same though. Like if I agree, Hulk Hogan wasn't the the draw that he was. You don't have WrestleMania. I agree. But you're right. Um, he, his run as a babyface, you know, like like we've talked about before, the number two draw of all time. But what a lot of people don't talk about is he might be one of he might be the number one heel draw we, of all we time. We never talk about him as a heel enough, and I think it it deserves attention because I, I mean it could have been a long, longer time. Flip flop but... the seedings. Like Hogan could have easily been number three. Okay. Um, I just think maybe some recency bias on our part. Sure. With Cena at number three. But, I mean, Hogan was... I mean... <sighs> wrestling goes nationwide, becomes mainstream because of Hogan. And it's definitely not because of his in-ring work. Sure, it wasn't. He, it wasn't good in the WWF or WCW, for that matter. But... he. You want to talk about someone that can just that can spin a spin a tail with his words? Hogan could. He he would. When it comes, I don't even have words right now. I'm <laughs> I'm struggling. He he was that. He's another transcendent. He was kind of uh, promo. Right. And what made him special was kind of the character himself. What what Vince had created with him did a lot to help his promos because he didn't say. Although he could tell a good story, he wasn't as creative as some guys with his words. He would tell you a lot about why he was stronger, why he was doing all the great things in life. And if he, if you do all these great things, young kids, you're going to be able to beat King Kong Bundy too. And that made you as a young kid believe, damn, if I do all these things and I go buy that Hogan merchandise that they want me to buy, I'll also I, be I, able to beat King Kong Bundy. Eat my vitamins, I say my prayers. All those things. It was simple, but it was it was his baby face but, truth but that he was know- telling. But you know what it is, and, and this is – everyone on this list, you can uh, use the same word. It, it was passion. Mm. He had a passion and a belief in what he said. If you don't have that, you're unbelievable. Yeah. You know, he can't take you seriously, but Hogan was someone that had a a passion. You can, you can hear the passion. You can definitely see it. Yeah. He was – I don't think anyone on this list is as animated. Maybe Flair – 
Flair and Hogan are probably the two most animated promos, physical, mm-hmm. of all time. So I think that's what kind of sets him apart is his his uh, I guess the it was less what he said but how he said it. Okay, that makes him so good. Yeah, and even when he's cutting that initial promo when Bash at the Beach happens that night and he's. He's sitting there, staying in the in the middle of the ring as they're throwing trash. That this is the new world order of wrestling. He looked very confident. He looked very comfortable, and everything previous to that. If you if Hulk Hogan said it, it came true. So now he's telling me that if this is the new world order of wrestling, I've been conditioned to like that and to think, oh damn, everything he's told me before has been true. This must be the new world order of wrestling. So boo, boo, and he became one of the most hated guys in wrestling in '96. It's all yes. because of the way he could say his words and confident for sure, um, def- definitely animated. He, we don't he, we don't talk about enough of how good he was in the nineties. Yes, his, the, his flexing, his his the way his body would tremble when he would talk, his just everything about the way he spoke. Mm-hmm. Less about the words that he said. I don't think he was ever great with the words that he used. He wasn't a word. But it was oh, he wasn't. Unlike his opponent, Whew, yeah, but he was—he had so much passion and the right. physicality of his promos, and that you know, going into the entertainment business, someone what made someone like Chris Farley so beloved was that he was such a physical comedian. Yeah, you know, he would put his body on the line for the sake of comedy. Mm-hmm. Same with Hulk Hogan when it came to his promos, he would—he's more of someone that you could watch and you can get everything you need to know from just watching him right. when he's talking. He's not someone that I would want to close my eyes and listen to. But I mean there are some promos that you know could give you chills like when when Andre the Giant turned on him is probably my favorite moment sure. and he's he he somehow gets that tear to come out of his eye. He's like, Andre, what are you doing? What is this? Ah, Why are you doing this, brother? Ugh. And that, that's my favorite Hulk Hogan moment other than his uh, his heel turn. Yeah, which would be mine. Bash at the Beach when he says that very short interview up there that this is the new world order of wrestling. More so because of the impact, less of how it was delivered. But it yes. meant the most and it obviously changed wrestling. So right. when we talk about people being creative with words, the three seed I think is fair because John Cena. Yeah. Now we can talk healer face; it doesn't matter. We can talk about what he did two weeks ago and his creativeness to to rhyme and be thugonomics. He's a legitimate rapper. He's had albums. He's put people in their place, and he still does it in 2019. And that's the thing about John Cena that people don't give him enough credit for. People say that you know he's. He's, he's put people down so that way he can stay at the top. Well, not really. He's wanted to get out of the spotlight for a while, but no one could really step up because when someone tried to step up, go look back at what happened with Roman Reigns right. uh, on wow. Monday Night Raw. John Cena eviscerated <laughs> him. And put that's that what John down. Cena has done. Someone comes out, tries to act tough, and John Cena absolutely eviscerates them, and they have nothing to say. And that's not John Cena burying them. That's just John Cena being infinitely better than them. Yeah. And that's that's why John Cena has been the face of the brand for over a decade. Yeah. It's because he is so much better than everyone else. Maybe not in the ring, but you don't have to be better in the ring if you can talk yourself to the top. Of the eight guys that we have in our bracket here, I think promo work comes the most natural to John Cena versus anybody else. It's yes. so easy for him. Rare, I mean, you, it's hard to find him messing up or botching a promo or skipping a word or, or not coming off clean because he was so confident. He could articulate. He definitely meant what he said. And you can he go back. He eviscerated to the Rock. He did. He put. Let's, let's let's talk about that for a second. He put the Rock in his place. Right. Not many back people in have done that. 2011, yeah. 2012, mm-hmm. when they were doing their twice in a lifetime. You know, twice in a lifetime. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, that's God. We can make the argument of John Cena being. <laughs> because that's. <laughs> Damn it! He, he could move up too. <laughs> too late he now. Is 
I know. But he is someone that you can close your eyes and listen and feel his energy. Yeah. Hear the words that he's saying and be moved by them. Because I don't think there's a more there hasn't been a more passionate promo in wrestling since you know, I mean, no one's been better at promos over the last 10, 15, 20 years than once The Rock retired, I mean, John Cena was the best. He was it, right? Yeah, for a long time. And his Doctor of Thugonomics was so great because it did come so naturally to him. He could he could he could just come up with anything off the top of his head. And that's what made him, that's what made him so great. Yeah, it was almost it wasn't a challenge to him. It was so easy that everything else he could pretty much you know devote the rest of his time to ring work, and he got better with it over time. Of course, we've talked about that how his his move set has improved or had improved when he was still somewhat full time a few years ago. So he's a guy who's recreated himself, but there's something he's never had to recreate, and that's his ability to talk. Because it's just been so damn easy for him over whether it's heel or face. He's done it to everybody. He's put everyone in their place over time. Your favorites, my favorites. We're going to have to bow down to John Cena eventually. And a lot of folks need to get on board with him in the GOAT conversation as well. Because a lot of people that seem to just want to resist for the sake of resisting. I wouldn't want to do a promo duel with John Cena. That's for sure. No. It's not fun. I couldn't wrap him Your down. favorite. No. Hell no. Your favorite John Cena moment. Uh, his one uh, when he came back and put Roman in his place a year and a half ago after Roman's uh, drug so test, good. that yes. one that one was the one that made me probably the most excited. There's probably plenty from 2006, seven, eight that I should honestly give credit to, but uh, that one for sure. That is a that's a great choice. Um, really, he's one of those guys that I can't choose. A, a a best moment, a favorite moment, because how can you comp- you can't compare all of his promos to each other because they're all so good. Ruthless aggression. Ah, uh, <laughs> just two he simple two, words. Two words. Two words. In the face of the, got the company man at that point. Ah, oh. yes. But yes, that's John Cena. What 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 does the voting look like? This one was closer, as we expected. You're gonna veto it. You're not gonna veto it. So John Cena wins. We got okay. a we got a 60-40 split here. Cena's gonna move on. Appreciate you, Hogan. We love what you do. Now I'm interested to talk about this. This is our four or five matchup, bubs. This is where it's been getting hot. This is where we get to have a good conversation because this is in any sporting event. This is supposed to be the closest matchup anyway, right? The four versus the five, and this one worked out perfectly for us. So number four, we got Bobby Heenan. At five, we have Paul Heyman. Yeah. Paul E. Paul E. Dangerous Lee. We got a lot of, I mean, they, they were commentators. They were both managers. They've, yes. hell, they've done a lot of things, worn a lot of different hats. But at the end of the day, they ended up being able to talk and influence the crowd in a lot of ways. Yes. <clears throat> and one guy ran a successful company. Mm-hmm. Um, also ran into the ground, but that's another story for another day. And one guy was the voice of a generation, you know, the the 80s and really the 90s in WCW was when you put on wrestling, you heard the voice of Bobby Heenan. He did. He was. And well, you know, let's start with the five seed. Okay, Heyman. Let's start with Heyman. Heyman was Pauly Dangerously, tremendous manager. Um, hated. Everyone hated. He can make you hate yeah. him so much. He became the owner of ECW and became one of the most beloved people in wrestling during that time. And you, you want to talk about I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but the passion that Motiv- he had. Motivation. Yes. You, whatever, and a lot of people have said this throughout the years. A lot of former ECW wrestlers, no matter how down you felt, once Paul talked to you or gave a big speech, you were like, oh, yeah, let's go. Let's go 
run our heads through a wall. Yeah, I don't. I don't need paid today. I'll get it from you next I week. Want, yeah, I don't care if I get paid. I just want to go put on a show for Paul and make Paul proud. Man, it says a lot about a guy. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. And then he became a commentator. He did because it was natural. WWE. For him. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I loved him as a commentator. Um, he's become the voice of the Beast, Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar. Um, I mean, is Brock Lesnar who he is without Paul Heyman? Is Brock Lesnar as big of a deal without Paul Heyman? Is he the biggest draw right now without Paul Heyman? I don't think so. No. You're thinking of something. What, what's going through your head? No, I was trying to m- remember a specific date of something that Heyman did, but it's it's I'm, I'm botching that one as well. What he did, my though. Fa- go ahead. My favorite Paul Heyman moment is ECW One Night Stand. Both of them. Okay. Probably the first um, one. But the first one, yes, when he goes after JBL, or pretty much everyone. Oh, yeah. The, when the SmackDown and- guys are up in the upper deck. Yes, when he tells JBL that the only reason he was champion for so long is because Triple H didn't want to work on Tuesdays. Yeah, I love it. That to me, best line, the best line that he's ever ever said. I think the reason this one is so close is because it both guys like we can like I kind of let off with they could do everything. They could manage. That comes with being the mouthpiece of somebody else, the representation form, cutting the promos in the back for your team or the guy that you're managing. And in this case, for Heyman, he was motivating people in the back for his entire company. And then they can both step into the announce booth and mostly work heel, of course. That's what they were both better at, Heenan for sure. They could sit there and they could tell you what's going on. They could dig into you. They could tell you how crappy the babyface guy is and you want to hate him because they're Again, telling you stuff that you don't want to hear, but there's truths to it that make you go, damn it, he's right, but fuck that guy. I don't want to believe that. Yeah, I, I don't want my, my favorite guy to be talked to like that. Yeah, how dare you tell me things I don't want to hear. Story of my life. But there's too many <laughs> Paul Heyman's. I mean, if I had to pick something from Heyman, I love the one that he cuts on JBL. That's a great part of that pay-per-view. Just him on commentary in WWE and early his early times there. There's right. there are so many good things that he says as a heel that that just make you want to listen and and there because there's a lot of uh, you go into a couple of those years in the mid 2000s the WWE wasn't as strong as it was before then and then it got stronger in the later years as well but the commentary teams stayed strong I think Michael Cole was better then Taz was very underrated yes. and you put oh, Heyman yeah. you put Heyman into those situations and even as a guy who almost runs as like a, a commissionary authority manager type position. He he does a lot of things and he does them well just because he can make you believe what he's saying. So I think he slides right into there at number five, Bub. I think we seated him perfectly. He does. And and Bobby Heenan, what makes Bobby Heenan the higher seed is, I would say, his longevity. And just – I – and we we heard him in in the promo to start the show – he can make you laugh. Yeah, creative words. He, can make, he He's probably, him and John Cena are probably the two most creative people on this list. And the two people that it just came so natural to. Hmm. And Bobby Heenan as a commentator was amazing. Um, the best way to get anyone over as a heel in the 80s was to put Bobby Heenan as their manager. Absolutely. Worked for everyone. They, insta- they instantly became the most hated person in, in Heenan's quest to destroy Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good years. Uh, they were. My favorite part, my favorite, uh, and it's so stupid, and it's just like three words or four words, I don't know, is when Hulk Hogan did the turn at Bash of the Beach. When he hit the leg drop, Heenan goes, I knew he'd do that. I knew he'd do that. <laughs> I knew he'd do that. It's like, no, you didn't. You yeah. were just you were just gesticulating yeah. about how, like, oh, Hogan's going to come to save WCW. Yeah. And then he hits the leg. I knew I, he'd do I that. I knew he'd do it. Damn it's it. Like, Damn it, Heenan. No, you didn't. Was he... Or when he, or when he was blocked from 
the building at I think it was Raw, one of the Raws, and like he kept trying to come in, like using different disguises. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So many good Heenan moments. Do you think he's better as the manager or is he better as the commentator? Because I he's remembered pretty equally for both. I I can't I can't choose on that one. I think he was tremendous at both. Mm-hmm. His time with Gorilla Monsoon was unparalleled. Um, working with Tony Schiavone, I thought he—I thought that was an extremely underrated uh, commentary team. Right. But his work as a manager, you can't—I don't think it can be compared to anyone else. Right. We've had the discussion of best managers of all times. The votes have kind of proven that one as well. He's right up there on the top, tied with guys like Heyman. And I mean, there are a couple of the lady valets have been in good seatings with him as well. So he's he's in that list of the greats in almost every category. And don't forget, folks, he did wrestle way back in the day too. But he's he not going to be so that kind of really, gives him a, a leg up. He could do a little bit of everything. So the reason I played so, that promo at the beginning is because the revolving door comment. Every time I hear it, I laugh. I think it's one of his better ones. I'm going to make him think he's in a revolving door. Yeah, it's just it's the creative <laughs> things with the with his words. And then him on com- him in commentary with Shivani. There's too many good ones on there to, to not miss. So interesting matchup here, to say the least. So, so what do the votes show? The votes show that Bobby Heenan wins 52 ah. to 48. So close. So close. All That's day so it has good. been... 49.51 until about an hour ago with the latest vote popped it up to 52 in favor of the higher seed Bobby uh, Heenan. No upsets tonight. No upsets. Proper seeding by us then. It was. Good job by us. Yeah. This this was a fun discussion. And I I had a lot of fun with this and I'm ready for the semifinals next week. So please, we're going to put the the updated brackets on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So go and vote on that because clearly your vote counts and your vote matters. So any any last words you want to say about the first round of the promo bracket? No, I think it's a good talk. It's a great discussion to talk about specific things in wrestling, to talk about promos like this. It's real fun. I appreciate all the feedback from everyone. We got a lot of good votes, a lot of good comments and stuff obviously shout outs again to conrad from everything pro wrestling epw there and craig wyman from the Wyman podcast appreciate you guys sending in your messages to us we'll be doing this again for these semifinals. so uh, once the brackets updated take a look at it give us your thoughts on that one so we can move into the finals and have another great discussion with that one yes get your voting fingers ready get to twitter at cae wrestling and make those votes Thank you guys for joining us on this very special edition of the Collar and Elbow Wrestling Podcast. Join us next week for the semifinals and later this week when we discuss NXT TakeOver and SummerSlam predictions. As always, guys, we're so appreciative of you listening. The only way we can grow this is by growing it together, and together we can make wrestling great again.